Hey guys, welcome back to Shooting the Ish with a Brit. It's Jen. And David. Hello, Jen. How are you? Good. Eating some cereal. <laughs> what, what, How are you? What, I'm good. What's your cereal of choice? It's a Trader Joe's almond granola situation with some oat milk. It's delicious. Is, is Trader Joe's your, your grocery store of choice? It has not been for a long time. For a long time, we were just ordering groceries offline. Then ah. we went on our honeymoon, saw what real food was for two weeks, came back and said, we can't do this. We need to at least see and touch our food. So we're back on the Trader Joe's train. And that's for just so getting stuff for cooking and making your own meals and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. What Love are your it. thoughts on food? Um, uh, well, uh, Trader Joe's, I'll tell you my thoughts, Trader Joe's quickly and, and credit to their snack aisles that like Trader Joe's do snacks like no one else. I mean, that's a, a full stop right there. Um, but the, uh, the produce, I, I always find, I don't like the produce too much there. So maybe it's different in New York, but here it's just like of all the grocery stores, it, for me, it feels like one of the, the less best quality. Oh yeah. It's terrible. You never get your produce from there. Okay, good. All right, that's that's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, I realized too, being um in Europe for such an extended amount of time, people really need to just focus on one thing, <laughs> you know? Like yesterday, Ishmael and I went to an amazing croissant place here in Williamsburg called Nick and Sons. And it's probably the closest thing I'm ever going to get to a Parisian croissant. And all they do are croissants, like that's it, you know? And wow. so anytime, you know, whether it's Europe or African countries or the Caribbean, wherever, it makes so much sense that there is a meat market, you know, a produce market, you know, a fish market. Like people <laughs> should really be focused on one thing that they do well in terms of, of food. Um, but yeah, to your point about Trader Joe's, yes, that is not the place for produce. No. Um, and yeah, and, and focus on one thing uh, for food and, and maybe other things too. Who knows? You know, sometimes yeah. that's that's the best that way. That might be a yeah. little wisdom nugget at the end of our years of this whole thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, talking of focusing on one thing, we are here to talk about the White Lotus, of course. Excited to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, go for it. You jump into it. How do, how do you feel about this week's episode? Feeling good, making me miss Italy again. I love how mm -hmm. it opened up with Valentina. I really, um, out of all the characters, she's the one whose name I remember the most. Everybody else I have a nickname for, but her, I'm like, oh yeah, that's Valentina. Um, so to open up the show with her walking along the very narrow, beautiful, old world sort of streets of Sicily, and going to a coffee shop again, which I miss. Go not a coffee shop necessarily, but just a a spot where you can get coffee and a pastry. You know, she's getting her cafe, and a man is hitting on her, and <laughs> and I just thought she was so funny when she was like, "Why can I not come in this place and just get my coffee without somebody hitting on me?" You know, like I just it was just the delivery was funny. Also, it is a problem. That, you know, honestly, some women wish that they could have. You know what I mean? But I appreciated her annoyance. Again, the delivery. The whole thing was just brilliant. And and allowed me to get to know Valentina 
more and particularly her morning routine, which I found to be so fascinating. So if there were, there's a word that's come into my mind, which I uh, thought about Valentina this episode and what they're kind of showcasing here, um, which is in kind of stark contrast to all the other characters, I feel like, um, which is lonely. Like that's what they, they, you know, as well as that opening, there's kind of, they layered more of her character in this episode. We kind of had the, some notable scenes of when she's arguing on the phone and she's just like, no, 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 no. Just like just handling it. Um, and then she's sitting at lunch and she's sitting like eating her food with the kittens outside who she's clearly feeding on a daily basis. Cause you know, it's a bit of a routine. It's just this kind of, uh, they're setting her up as this bit of a lonely character, which by the way, is the same as what the the manager of the previous White Lotus was, right? He was a lonely guy, kind of, right? So um, that that was what struck me about her, and obviously, you know, that's going to continue to build and play into the to the bigger story. Um, but that's, but it, I I agree, like that. I actually noted that it was nice they started with her, and kind of we followed through. Um, but the one thing I'll, I'll the one thing I'll mention um, is, and it's uh, especially because um, what's his name, Michael Imperioli, is in it. There's a, a scene in The Sopranos where uh, Artie Bucco is talking about Vesuvio, his restaurant, and someone's asking him, you know, why is it called Vesuvio? And I'm paraphrasing this, but the short of it is he basically says, words beginning with V make people think of vagina. So it's they remember it. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just a Sopranos bit. Um and that just so just the fact that you say you remember it, that just made me remember Artie Bucco in Sopranos saying that. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Mm -hmm. Oh, how funny! Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but look, yeah, but Valentina, she's got some, she's got some stuff going on. Um, she, she's, she, I agree, she's, uh, she handles the the role well as well, and she's, she's really, um, she's really subtle with it, right? Considering her role is quite an obnoxious, quite blatant, quite in your face. She's really subtle. Yeah. And um, if we're sticking with her, I guess we'll just make as many comments about her through the episode. I appreciated her mm -hmm. um, exchange with um, one of the employees at, mm -hmm. the, at the hotel where the employee is saying to her, I admire you. I want to be like you. You're such a woman who doesn't take crap, you know? And Valentina's taking it in, but she's also kind of like probably in her head, oh my God, you don't know the misery, you know, and the loneliness of this kind of thing. Um, and so to see an older woman, and Valentina can't be that old, you know, in her 40s, and this employee being, you know, in her 20s, kind of like probably in a way Valentina's looking at herself when she was in her 20s and thinking, oh, I want to be like who I am right I thought I wanted to be who I am right now and I'm not saying that she's necessarily like saying that she doesn't want to be that but it it comes with some things you know it comes with a side of loneliness you know it comes with a side of um having to do things that maybe she didn't know she would have to do later on in life like running a hotel with you know very um sort of rich or wealthy clients kind of bossing her around in a way you know telling her what to do um so yeah i i really enjoy the the valentina character a lot i don't know if i necessarily root for her but i enjoy watching her 
on screen. And I don't know if that's necessarily a credit to the character or more, more so the actress. Or both. Probably both. Um, but I, I agree. I'd like it to end it. The one addition I'll make to that is the, noting the scene where she's talking to the employee. And the one really the big thing I picked up from that was the employee complimenting her and, and just Valentina's genuine um, just joy at receiving the compliment. And, and to me, again, the way she portrayed it, it felt like it was a very unusual thing to get that kind of compliment kind of with such a genuine layer to it from someone. And again, it's, it speaks to the loneliness of her character. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. yeah, well, so she's she's a bit of a, a real, like, under, you know, subtle character running through this. So I'm sure she's obviously going to play a bigger part later on. Um, but they're really they're really settling her up nice and slowly. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And who and who do you want to go to next? Um. Okay. So uh, let's go to the person who um we saw in the first scene. You know, go past Valentino, which was William William Sharp's character. Who, you know, he's already set the stage that in the morning he goes for his run. Right. So. He is, oh my God, I just, I do not like him, David. He bothers me so much. I think I have an issue, call it sexism. I don't know. We're going to work it out through this season of the podcast, okay? I get very annoyed watching men be so unsure of themselves, uh, especially when they're married, okay? Now, this is something that maybe I have to unpack in therapy. I don't know. But I think it just, it just bothers me how much this man wants validation from Cameron, a.k.a. the douche, how, you know, he ends up compromising himself, in my opinion, by the end of the episode. Um... Um, he he doesn't want to have sex with his wife, which I think is strange. Um, considering she made the effort, you know, to make herself available for what he said was, you know, mo morning was a better time. He said, right? So she made herself available. So I'm just like, wh what use is this? man to his wife what is what is his usefulness here so i'm really struggling every time i see him on screen to just not want to vomit at the uselessness interesting well there's a lot to unpack there but the first thing i'll say is uh, will sharp so his character is ethan um the, to credit him here because i've seen him in a couple of things and he's really good like he's a, I really like him on screen. And he's just, as I've said before, he's just a really smart guy and does a lot of great work. Um, so, so him in this role, I agree. Like, I just do not like that guy. He is just, he just irritating, um, to, to another level. And so I do think that's a credit to him, like really nailing that role very well. Um, so just wanted to, to say that, but yeah, he, he, um, I mean, he the, the validation with Cameron. Let's go with that. That's clearly, you know, as we we kind of got on that train early on, we we you know that was something we we thought was the case, and it's continued to escalate in that way. Um, but what we did find out this episode, of course, which we'll come back to, I'm sure, is that 
again, as we suspected, Cameron's after the money, right? He, he, you know, that's why he organized his trip. That's why he kind of tried right. to get him into this position. So the, the nice thing about that is that when that came up, well, actually, the terrible thing about it is that Ethan was surprised. Like that, that supports your rhetoric about him right. just being a bit useless, right? It's like, dude, obviously, look at the guy. That guy is like, he's a douchebag. He's hungry. Like you were in college with him. You must have seen this behavior from him. You know who this person is. Um, which obviously why he wants validation, weirdly. But yeah, um, so um, that's a that's a whole thing we'll come into later when we talk about camera probably. But Ethan and Aubrey, um, yeah, you kind of, you know, it's, it's weird that he's not having sex. That's what you said. And what I'll say is, you know, when people are on the outs and their relationships are not doing well for one reason or another, or by the way, you know, he... For example, him. And I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing out some some ideas here as to why he might be acting the way he is. Um, but this guy has just come into major wealth, and it was a topic of conversation this episode between um, Aubrey, uh, which is Harper, and Cameron's wife, which I can't remember her name. Apologies. Um, they were talking, and she was asking Harper if Ethan had changed since becoming very wealthy, and she said no. So I would argue that actually he clearly has changed, right? Something has potentially changed in their relationship. Yeah. Maybe it's just him independently, like, oh my God, suddenly I'm really wealthy and I'm like one of the richest people in the world, but I'm still me. And it's just kind of trying to work out his place and who he is and what that money, how it affects him, how it affects his life. And, and you know, this trip, this time with Cameron and whatnot is really going to open his eyes, I think, a lot to the world around him because he just seems naive. That's what it is. He just seems really naive about everything. Yeah. And yeah, he does. Oh, that's so good. Um, So many thoughts in my head. One is, do men have like, particularly for you, growing up where you grew up in Liminge, Liminge, tell, mm. pronounce it for me, please. Hey, you nailed it. Liminge. Liminge. And just knowing your background, the access, first the access that you achieve in entertainment then the money part do you think did you go through a confusion period or like a oh my gosh this is so different from what i thought i mean your stepdad i mean i'm trying to keep everything because your stepdad did give y'all a, a good life you know what i mean but before that part and where you guys were staying in the council estate, like, did you ever have that sort of, um, like, wow, like I started from the bottom, now I'm here, you know, kind of thing. And like, like this, I don't know how to put it into words, but do you know what I mean? Like, did you go through maybe something that was a little similar to what, uh, uh, what is his name? William Sharp's character is going through. Ethan. Ethan, his name's Ethan. Um, but okay. you know, I, um, the the short answer is, I mean, no, not really. One, one, I think, just because it's not like I earn a ton of money now, um, but also it's just been over my adult life. It's been like a gradual uh, growth, growth, you know, increase. It's not like suddenly I just made loads of money, um, and and I'm still waiting for that day. By the way, hopefully that'll be sometime soon. That'll be nice. Um, but it, money for me, I've just never been. It's never been a driving force. Right. It's never been the thing that's that's like, oh, I want to be rich so I can do this and do that and buy this and buy that. I, I don't care about most material things. It's just experiences and just growing in different ways. So I, I just don't think I was like 
I mean, and maybe that's what he, in a sense, what he's going through suddenly, I know just in a different way and that he's just, again, he didn't really necessarily expect it, didn't necessarily, he wasn't striving for that, but he just managed to achieve it and get it as a default of, you know, as a, or as a byproduct of his dream, fulfilling his dreams in other ways. And now he's kind of a bit confused about what to do with it. I see. I see. I see. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, but but also we don't know where he came from, right? What his his real background is, and you know, he maybe he's, he's lower class, maybe he's middle class, maybe he's upper class, right? He just he, he, you got to also think that if he's in college mixing with the likes of Cameron, um, that he's got to have a bit of money behind him already, which is interesting. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Or I think that actually that's he could also have been on a scholarship. Who knows? So actually, so let's sure. forget that comment because it could be anything. Sure. But even before this windfall, clearly there's a big gap between what he used mm -hmm. to make. And that could have been in the six figures, even high six figures, whatever that is compared to what he's at now. You know what I mean? It's like it, he is at literally another level. He has canon to a whole other level. So, um, yeah, so all in all, I, I just, uh, he's an unsettling person to me because of how unsure he is. I think because of how unsure he is, I don't know which way he's going to go in this in this show. Um, it really could be anywhere because he just doesn't seem to have a backbone. He seems to be emboldened anytime Cameron says, jump or do this do that or what about this you know so wherever Cameron goes wherever we see Cameron's toes eyes whatever I feel like Ethan is gonna be right there so yeah that's my I, opinion I, I agree there's two things that I want to also bring up with him and partly with Cameron so one is actually that there is a potential for me that uh, the words you used just now where he doesn't have backbone which I agree and I think this trip for him and this story for him is about him finding that backbone with Harper and with Cameron. And um, but unfortunately, maybe with Cameron, it could be, you know, when they're on top of a cliff partying and it's just got too much. And he's just like, I've had enough of you. And, you know, it all goes wrong. Um, so maybe that that could be something to do with the death is kind of him finding his backbone or him finding his his point, his peak, his line and just mm -hmm. flipping. Um, so there's that element of it, but and, and tied in with that, but also a separate subject is throughout this episode, and and I and we talked about this last episode, of the episode four is, you know, the the kind of the the relationship between Cameron and Ethan, and is it going to blossom into something more sexual? And as we've seen in the re most recent episode, Cameron, well, I think we saw him kiss him four times, and that's not to say that has to be sexual, but it was in sexual environments and sexual context, like it was, you know, it was very loving and affectionate. And those kisses, especially the later ones when he was, they were kind of, you know, the inhibitions were down. Um, so again, I think that's building in one way or another. You know, what's interesting about that? I think that this is where the racial and cultural element comes in, because I'm going to tell you right now, okay, that is not going on with straight black men. It ain't happening, you know, like the kissing and everything. And so although you're British, no, you are a white guy. And I think culturally, there are some things that are different from white American men and English, specifically English American men. I get that. But when you saw that, 
And yes, given what you just said right now and like what you believe to be might be a little sexual or bordering on it, do you do you think in your experience, okay, is is would you consider that to be sort of common behavior in a party atmosphere for um white men to be kind of like kissing on each other? No, no, it's not generally common with with straight guys. I mean, it's it's not it's not generally common in my experience. Um, but I'll also just say that remember when that happened three, four times in the episode, and that doesn't happen accidentally, right? That's a very deliberate choice by Mike White in the writing and directing of those scenes. Like he's really layering again. It might be a red herring. It kind of might be just sending you on a different path. But like he's been very deliberate about kind of nodding towards that all along the way. I feel like okay. I also want to sort of say, you know, I don't want to offend you or anybody listening because I'm not white and I'm not a man. And in the, particularly in the comedies that I've watched, American comedies that I've watched, like Animal House, even a lot of, well, I think that is a part of the National Lampoon's thing, but a lot of the National Lampoon's movies, um, what else? American Pie. Um, some of the is a Seth Rogen some of the Seth Rogen movies a lot of like white american men depicted in those kind of movies do sexual stuff with each other i don't even know what to call it but it's like it's either you know not to be graphic but like touching penises doing something with putting a penis on somebody's forehead kissing somebody you know that kind of kind of um i guess bonding ritual i would say between white american males and so that's why i wanted to bring it up um because i'm like because honestly david i didn't think there was anything wrong with it because i've been conditioned watching shows and movies with white american males that in party situations they they just they think it's funny or they they do it without thinking that it's like sexual. So honestly, I did not like there was a little bit of something that was like, oh, this might be sexual. But then I was like, no, because I was like, oh, this is a, a racial and cultural thing. And it doesn't mean that it's sexual. Yeah. For me, I'd say that the difference between, you know, the, the shows and movies that you alluded to kind of with that culture, which is definitely apparent, right? It's definitely uh, a thing in different movies. But the difference here is the context. Again, like the story and what we like, this whole season is about sexual, sexual politics and sexual tension and se- whatever it is, sex, sex, sex. And it just, it just, it just all the whole context, all of it laid on together with that in mind and being very deliberate in this episode. It just feels like it is sexually charged. Gotcha. Okay. And I understand. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're talking, I mean, should we just jump over to camera and then because. That seems like a, an, an easy segue. Yeah, let's do it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, revealed all his true colours, right? You know, that his wife's out of the picture and he's like, right, I'm just going to tell everything at this point. The couple of things here. One is it clearly shows um, that him and Ethan haven't really, don't really speak and haven't really spoken for years, I think. You know, they're really distant kind of friends and it's really Cameron is really just that leech, right? Just trying to latch on and... Um, we also discover from his wife when she's talking to Harper that 
he you know his people are like the the most horrific people um in in the country and you know and harper's like is he like that she's like no like well actually yes he is like he's clearly like that and she knows that i think she's just trying to save face there a bit um and not give too much away but yeah that dude is just he is just not not a cool guy he is he's a, a vile person like he 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 um irritates me more than ethan just because he's just so disgusting <laughs> he does yeah i think he is like like you know that saying don't judge a book by its cover like he is totally all that so he doesn't bother me as much as Ethan at all. At all. Like what you see is what you get. So I'm like not <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not even like mad at him. Like he just he he's like I said before, he's such an honest character. And mm-hmm. you know, I think I said before, I'm like, this man is rich and good looking. Okay. He's bordering on fine. And what does he have to like lie about? We discovered in this episode He's not being truthful, particularly about, you know, um, being loyal to his wife, you know, sexually and emotionally, but she knows it, you know what I mean? So it still kind of goes to my point. She's, she's just not saying she doesn't have any emotions about it. We'll get into it as to what she does to kind of cope. But um, he seems to be the most honest character to me. He's not the most valiant honorable kind but again he what you see is what you get and um i appreciate mike white um introducing this this kind of person to us for this uh for this for this season mm-hmm. um yeah um hey what, what i'm thinking about what i'm trying to think about is that you, the honest element and that's that because even if you think about uh him getting Ethan and Harper on holiday with them on vacation with them to then, you know, take, find his opportunities. Like, okay, actually, right, I'm going to lay it on thick. I'm not even going to wait and have some small talk on this, like boys day. I'm just going to go straight into the money, get that. Uh, and then we can party. Right. Cause he's so sure of himself and he's so sure he's going to land it or whatever the case, cause they're buddies and he knows he looks up to him and whatever. So that's that alone. Like that's a huge false pretense. So like, you can't imagine well, Ethan clearly didn't expect it. Right. So when he was, presented the idea of going on this vacation i'm sure it was just a very so that that's a big lie right there right the whole kind of like manipulating to get him there and then kind of manipulating him into trying kind of getting the meeting which by the way i can't imagine reading ethan's face that he's planning to go to that um after the fact um especially after what happens later on that evening um so i don't know i think i just i think he's super shady like i just i would never trust a word coming out of that guy's mouth and uh, in addition um it makes me the more time we spend with him and the more we know about him, the happier I am that they lost his bag at the airport. Uh-huh. That's funny. I wouldn't wish that on yeah. That's pretty bad. But you really are not a fan. That is so no. surprising. I'm not saying you have to be a fan, but it's, 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 I think it is interesting that you are like going this hard. On this person, well, you know who you sound the like? character. You know, the the you know character. Who you sound like? What do you say? The character. Yes, yes, yes. But you know who you sound like? Like you should be going this hard on like Joffrey or the Bolton bastard, you know, from Game of Thrones, because they're horrible people. But, but let me tell you the difference. Let me tell you. I tell you. Sorry. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, the, the difference with those two is that, like, it's really like they're just they're they're, uh, they're real specific characters, like they're real individual. The reason this guy, uh, I think, maybe gets under my skin, and because he he is like you know classic white man, right? That's like that's his aesthetic, right? Good looking white man, and also with loads of power, loads of money, and he's just like he is. He he's the type of white man that gives other white men a bad name. Oh really? You think this is the type of white man? Oh, this is fascinating. Well, what wh- one of the type of white men? Just you know, just that that in that like sense of entitlement and that that just that um, expectation and just a, a belief that anything they do is completely reasonable when and there's no problem with it. Like even in this episode, he's talking about. Um, uh, about monogamy being created to control the middle class. Like he said <laughs> things like that. that that's that. like I love that so much. That right? was uh, yeah, me too. I loved it as well. Fantastic line. Um, but like he just, you know, he's like he's really like in the upper echelons and like really just, you know, the, the puppeteer. Right. That's the kind of his mentality. Is he's a puppeteer, and and so are the people he works with. And that's what that's what you know. There's just that entitlement that that like he can like play in people's lives and have this power and take advantage from that as well at the same time it's just it's all a mess of disgustingness gotcha well i'm not gonna put out this fire that you have against this this um this white man i'm not gonna do that at all (laughs) Um, i appreciate you saying that's it's it's i appreciate you saying that it's very fascinating though that this archetype um kind of grinds your gears it is yeah, I mean, yeah, the character. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think this is just credit to Mike White's writing, right? He just one of the things I think he does well is when he does play on the stereotype, he just he does it in such a uh, again, it's, it's subtlety with him. He just really he doesn't he doesn't lay it on too thick. He he doesn't rush it out the gate. He just really plays it at a nice pace. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. Um, all right then. So, what about his wife and Harper? Harper. Um, I appreciated her opening up um to wait harper wait a minute harper that's uh william sharp's wife right correct yeah aubrey plaza not bad i was on daphne harper 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 okay funny a little bit because she was trying to be more like daphne in the uh, episode light you know talking about you know banal or banal things like the sky or something she said i don't know what the hell but she was trying to like smile more and just talk about light stuff okay um i appreciated her like conversation with daphne um and trying to get daphne to open up um what else her face kind of bothered me this episode i know that's rude to say but it was something about like i don't think i really enjoy aubrey plaza's I'm, you know what? I, I think I'm used to seeing her have a sarcastic face. I'm going to just say that. I'm trying to say. And it's odd to see her smiling and showing teeth this episode. I'm not going to lie. So, um, I don't know. Like, her character, I felt, was overshadowed by, like, everybody else this episode. What did you think? I, I actually kind of felt the opposite. She was one of my most interesting characters this episode. Because she's just really kind of just... She's experimenting. She's just like she. She's to me. She feels like uh, an archaeologist right now, just kind of 
scurrying around for dinosaur bones. She's just like doing it with Ethan, with with um, Daphne. Um, like she just really wants to understand this dynamic and what's going on around her. Like, cause she's, you know, as you said, at the beginning of the episode, she kind of uh, makes herself look, look very attractive and, and on the bed waiting for when he comes back from the, the, uh, from his run. And, and then he just walks in the bathroom, obviously, but she's, she's really trying to work it out. Cause I think she's also kind of having a bit of a, like a, a crisis herself where she's like, am I just a terrible person? Like, am I just a, a life suck? Right. And she's kind of, so, so whilst I, she's, feels like you know or she's kind of setting it up as it's kind of being a bit of a parody like where she's being nice and being kind and just trying to be friendly and it accidentally gets her on a you know a night away with Daphne which is hilarious by the way um I think that's partly from insecurity partly from her like realizing she's not fitting in with the other three um and her trying to kind of do that um but without giving too much ground on it yeah yeah no I see that Um, I see that yeah I but think, I do, um, I do love the. Um, sorry, go on. You go ahead. Oh, you hear me? I can. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to like figure out, um, where she's gonna land by the end of this season, and I'm just not sure. Like in terms of her husband, in terms of, like you said, this personal crisis she has as to whether or not she's a bad person or even a bad wife is she in the right relationship you know um yeah i don't know yeah it's 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 really you know the, this is kind of brings me on to something with the white lights in general is that this ensemble cast? i guess it's kind of like why maybe even like knives out was such a big thing it's just this really big ensemble cast of really interesting characters and you kind of trying to you know piece it together and it's like a, it's like a game of clue but on a television series like more so than other murder mysteries it just feels like it's all confined in this environment you know like someone's been murdered who did it with the candlestick um whatever um, i just i really like that about it and you yeah. kind of it really does a great job of keeping you guessing like this apart from daphne um you know who obviously found the body in the ocean you got it's anyone's game right now like it just it really is open that's true that's true mm-hmm. And by the way, can um, so you again, with a candlestick, I guess that is a thing. Can you, huh? can you kill someone with a candlestick? Of course you could. Oh, whack them around me... the head, right? Huh? Whack them around the head. Oh, I guess you could, huh? But then, who the hell would have a candlestick in this day and age? Well, not in America for the most part. Um, <laughs> um that's I, that's not true either. Like everyone, loads of people have candles. We have candlesticks. Candlesticks. Um, or... No candlesticks. You know what I mean. Well, we never, like, I'm sure we have a couple somewhere in a cupboard. <laughs> are you for um, real? Wait, not a candle. <laughs> are we talking about the same word? Maybe what I'm talking about is a candelabra. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. Oh, no, like, I'm talking about like something something that holds a candle in it. Yes. The thing from Beauty and the Beast, the talking thing, him. Okay. Exactly. Can you kill Correct. somebody with that thing? Yeah, because you just, I mean, there's variation. You just whack someone around the head. It, it, it was one of, I'm pretty sure it was one of the weapons in Clue, in the game Clue. Was That's a what I'm saying. It made me, when you said yeah. that, I was like, oh my God, can you actually kill somebody with a candlestick? Yeah, well, anyway, of course you can. You can, kill, you can kill someone with a spoon if you want to, you know? Yeah, it's a good point. You have to be John Wick. It reminds me of John Wick talking about he killed somebody with a pencil or something. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. All right. But it's the Joker. Um, uh, but yeah, okay. Look, but but Harper look, again. It, it was kind of a the real the real setup for her was Ethan's whole thing, right? Ethan and Cameron, as much as as kind of her investigative 
um, um, kind of a, a attempts um, during this day. But uh, again, I just she was they were real like to me. She was real comedy um, balance in this episode. Just kind of her having to go along on this ride of like what she traditionally detests. Like this is her worst nightmare. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is fun. But then what about Daphne then? I mean, how, how like her kind of uh, just accepting the way the world is as far as, you know, Cameron is concerned and, and how the dynamic around his life is and her life is. Well, she's not, ex- she's, well, no, you're right. She is accepting it. She is. But she's maniacal in her accepting. Because as we saw in this episode, she's using her husband's childhood issues against him. Um, to I like in my opinion to get back at him for cheating on her and whatever the hell else he's doing. So she tells Harper as they're in the palazzo, uh, pool. She's like, Cameron has fear of missing out and abandonment issues. So let's just stay the night, you know, at this palazzo randomly, uh, because you know I want him. I want I want him to feel like, you know, all of the childhood things that I know are terrible for him to feel. So it's like, oh, my God, she's crazy, this lady. Um, I guess if she's going to choose to stay in a marriage with a man that she knows is cheating on her, she doesn't want to leave, I guess, the financial comfort and the lifestyle, you know, and um, I, I. I understand that. I understand it, right? But maybe she thinks, you know, hurting him in this sort of way is going to achieve what? Like, I don't really know. Like, maybe for her, it's enough for him to just have the pain. But um, I think she would be silly to think it would change him. Do you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, it just, this episode just really opened opened um her mind up to me you know i was able to see a little bit more of how she thinks and yeah yeah what do you think about her um well the one what what i'm i'm gonna kind of come at it from a different angle and uh the setup of or the evolution of her explanation and kind of learning a bit more about them and their dynamic was very i think again i think very deliberately in this episode which uh there was a big conversation about the godfather that was kind of a running theme throughout it and and ultimately it was about this this uh dream of men uh you know this kind of like dealing with your problems with violence and kind of uh not not having your your partners your wives asking you questions or kind of um getting involved in your business and you kind of being able to lie to them and whatnot right that's the that's the representation of the Godfather as it was presented in this, which um, there's definitely some truth in that. So this, to me, their storyline is that's the dynamic, right? That's that's the kind of, he represents that kind of that masculine dream um, of just kind of just running his riot and doing whatever he wants and kind of paying no consequence um, and also just kind of still having the love of his wife and attention and whatnot um, while he can he's free to flander and do what he wants to do. Hmm. I see. I see. Did the Godfather have any effect on you? Uh, not that. Not 
I mean, I don't know, right? I mean, I, I guess every film does and every TV series or any experience does to an extent. But I, I, I mean, I've never... I've never thought about it like that um, before, um, but it but it does it makes it makes sense. Uh, I can I can see like there being some tinges, you know, some reality in that um, for certain people. Um, but for me, yeah, I just it's it never like uh, that's not the life I desire, right? I guess that's the best way to put it. Like it's, it's yeah, yeah. whether it had an influence on me or not, it's not like that. That's not for me, you know. Like uh, that's that's not an enjoyable life for me. Gotcha. And um, Daphne gives us the title of this episode, which is Bull Elephant. And so she's talking to um, Harper and she's like, you know, I feel sad, you know, for this is what I remember. Let me know if I'm not remembering this correctly, but I think the takeaway is good. So she's talking to Harper about elephants right and her point is you know she kind of feels sad for men um because in the case of elephants you know you have like the females and the children kind of building community together and always around each other once a male is born or something they just kind of kick him out maybe not once he's born but once he gets of age or whatever he he they kick him out and he has to like pave his own way and so she has the sentiments of like feeling sorry you know for men in general like oh how sad you know kind of thing and i have come to know that she's a person who empathizes with men which is is so interesting because when we get to the granddad, her and granddad are similar. They're not the same, but they have similar sort of sentiments around men, particularly nowadays surrounding men, white men specifically. But anyway, with Daphne, she also said like in a previous episode, she was like, you know, some women... Uh, cut off their men's balls and then wonder why they're not attracted to them anymore so she continues to like empathize with men or at least um recognize in her opinion that that men go through stuff and i think nowadays for a woman to say that um it can it can seem to some people anti-feminist anti-woman just just to empathize just to empathize with men that yeah they're that women are not the only ones that go through stuff that men go through stuff too and maybe are hurt and in pain and you know their role is harder than we're really conversing about you know so yeah i thought i i thought that was interesting i think she's the most intriguing character to me She's definitely up there for me as well, actually, like in the sense that um, the others, you can kind of you make a pretty good peg of all of them, like a good idea. Whereas, uh, yeah, she's kind of, uh, even though she's very talkative, like what she's saying doesn't necessarily kind of give too much away about who she is. I mean, apart from the obvious stuff we've just talked about, um, but just kind of, I guess, her emotions and really kind of getting into the spirit of her. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, but yeah, again, look, I mean, bear in mind just to just to finish for me to finish on her, um, unless you got anything else. But she um, she found finds the body. You know, she's about to leave. She's at the end of the week, and 
um, she's happy and she's had a great time. So, you know, how does that play into it? Who knows? We're going to have to find out. But um, but she gets to the end of the week and she she's happy. So we know that whatever happens in this couple of episodes, it's resolved one way or another until it isn't. Yeah, that's true. Which is interesting. Very good. All right, should we should we go to our um our trio of guys? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the granddad, I think granddad is my favorite. Granddad mm-hmm. is my favorite character. I love him so much. Um yes, he's a philanderer, but listen, okay? Listen. All right. People be doing what they be doing, okay? It doesn't mean that we can't love them. Okay, I love him so much. He makes me so happy watching him. This actor, what is his name, David? It's F. Murray Abram, I believe. F. Murray Abram, never heard his name in my life. I've seen his face, and I be knowing, first of all, I be knowing these old white actors. Ishmael thinks like it is so funny that I know like all of these like older white actors because I grew up on them, like, I watch TV like crazy when I was a kid. So he thinks it's hilarious. I even know who Julianne Moore is, you know, and I think she's hella, she she is a good actor. But to me, that's like very mid, you know what I mean? So I've never heard this man's name before, seen him. He's amazing. I love all of his lines. He is, he is just, deli- he is delicious to me, okay? And I'm not talking like sexual or nothing. I think this is a brilliant character. My favorite line this episode was, well, it came when he, his son, the grandson, and Portia were um, at a location where the Godfather Part 2 was shot, right? And so his grandson and Portia, I think, are trying to get on him about something, something, I don't know, misogynistic. He said something, something, I don't know what the hell. And then he goes... The granddad goes, I used to respect the old. Now we're just a past that everyone wants to forget. I just thought that was so, like, magnificently written and so um, emblematic, is that the word, of what he's supposed to represent in this show right now, you know? Um I don't know. There's so much to be said about gender politics, what's going on with men and women in general, what's going on with white women and white men in general, what's going on with black men and black women. And, you know, like there's so much to it. And it's like, damn, you know, like this man, this older man who, who, again, I am not threatened by in the least, like at all. Like he is not who I think is the scum of the earth. Like he is not Harvey Weinstein, you know? And so I kind of feel like there's a hyper, hypersensitivity of, of, um, of what, David? Hypersensitivity of harassment. Is that the word? I don't know. It's like, it's like, it's like. If if, if it's a hypersensitivity, you're probably, you're, Flirting is probably the word, right? It's Flirting, like it's, it's, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's the word. So that's what you're getting at. It's right. like any. It's like anything that even resembles flirtation, 
oh my God, like he's harassing. Oh my God, he's going to rape me. You know, like it, it can really be that way for some women nowadays. Like, and this was interesting. Nobody in my real life is like that, but on Twitter, you know, and who the hell knows if these people are even real, you know, but what I've seen, it's like, Jesus Christ, like, can anybody say anything? Like, what is going on? And the other part of it, and I'll leave it here, David, is what's interesting is some women, this is what's very interesting. Some women will be like hella mad at a guy if he doesn't approach her, you know, if he doesn't like, like, let's say it's a bar scene. So I can just be specific with you, you know, like, let's say, you know, there's a guy across the way in a bar or whatever. And he's like looking at a woman and he's like thinking about it. But because of what's going on and the sensitivity of, oh, my God, will I be harassing this woman or not? But the woman across the way is interested, right? So she's like, I'm hoping he's going to come and talk to me, right? But then he's not going to do it because he's like, I don't know. Is that what I'm supposed to do? And then it leaves the woman with, he's a punk. Like women say stuff, but it's awful. But women say things like, oh, he's a punk. Like he he doesn't like know how to talk to girls. Maybe he's the G word. Like it's like, it's it's really the wild, wild west out here right now in terms of like how you're supposed to even approach somebody you know so i think for me granddad is the uh, um a beautiful reminder of the old which i appreciate believe it or not that has nothing to do with sexual assault or harassment at all he's a beautiful reminder of the old and a breath of fresh air because today's world is just like not like so different in terms of you know relationships with men and women even even ones that are completely platonic and stranger you know what i mean so i'll leave it there what do you think um well yeah i mean i also love him as a character i think he's uh, i love him as an actor if murray abram is, is excellent um and he, he is just such a wonderful addition to his cast he is so well cast and just really funny and affable and entertaining um and then as far as his kind of his flirtatious um which you know some would say would be non-sexual harassment to me it's like nothing has has gone over the line yet um but you know he could do he could do with dining it back 10 20 percent oh you know especially when he's went like talking to women or whatever right and just just being more conscious of you know because whilst it's just feeling comfortable right? i mean that's the name of the game is just everyone should feel comfortable Right, you can, you can, if you're going to flirt, like, and someone's feeling uncomfortable, that that's the basis of that. That's not, that's not right. You know, it's like that, at that point, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I've read this wrong and whatever, and you just kind of take a step yeah, back. I agree. Um, you know, as soon as soon as someone starts feeling uncomfortable, or there's like the sense of that, that's that's when you, you know, you know, you're kind of pushing it too far. And so for him, he just it feels like he's on that verge, which again isn't too far. But if he were to dial it back ten or twenty percent, he's just kind of keeping the safe zone, you know. That would be my advice to him. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so but one the one thing I'll just jump on though, you you kind of gave the quote, you know, reminders of an offensive past everyone wants to forget. This is where I, I'm going to come back to Cameron quickly because he's saying, you know, reminds of this offensive past, like guys acting this way. But then we have Cameron here who's doing exactly that, but actually also so much worse than just philandering. This exactly. guy is like a terrible person. Exactly. So it's not a reminders of a past. It's like, it's unfortunately, it's just an example, you know, like, again, it's like that, the Cameron type of guy, 
and and look, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, old, old matey Bollocks has clearly just, you know, done some wrong in his life, and he's just gone too far on a lot of occasions. But it's kind of, it's just kind of giving that, you know, that tainting of him, I guess. Like it's, it's making him seem a lot worse. To to your point, I guess, to what you're kind of, kind of trying to get to, which is like just being flirtatious, maybe a little bit overly flirtatious, isn't sexual harassment. But but now with the context of the world and how elevated things are, and you know. Susan on Twitter in Wyoming, right? Saying, you know, like who knows, right? There's just there's so there's so much gray area with it, and and to me, it always just comes down to this this comfort thing, right? If you can, if you're in a situation where someone's feeling uncomfortable, it's something probably going wrong there. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good. Point. Um, but him, yeah, I love his character. Um, and he for Al, Albie and for Dom, like he's just. It's just a, like the, the bringing in the trio, like the the, the son, father, grandson, uh, just amazing. That like really just great, great characters as well to bring into this. And I mean, then we can jump into Dom, I guess, um, who is really, you know, he's realizing, oh, he's like, oh, fuck, like, you know, and whether it's he's been caught out or um, or he's actually changing, I, I think he is realizing, right? He's kind of like, oh, I really have got to change. Like, I can't just, I can't carry on. Like, if I want my family, if I want any chance of it, um, but but what that's suggesting to me, again, as we're building towards an explosive finale, is that he's you know he's going to draw back and he's going to be good. And um, with what else happened this episode, which was the uh, Lucia and Mia going with Ethan and Cameron and him Dom seeing it, like that's all going to build up to a crescendo again at the end. And, and again, maybe there's something with all of them at the end, like jealousy or you know frustration gets too drunk and whatever, and it just it just explodes. You know, kind of all goes wrong for him and. Um, you know, he seems like the most hopeless character in the sense, like he's clearly very successful and smart and, um, but he has these, these issues and he just, he's, hopefully he can get through them, right? Hopefully, he can, you know, anyone can change at any age. You just, just got to kind of have the awareness and, and desire to do so. And this episode felt like a, a turning point for him, but is, are the, are the, are the distractions and are the temptations going to be too much? Um, to just just tip him back over at this like you know early stage in this brief window of time. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what's his why. Why does he want to change to get his wife back? Because that ain't happening. So yeah. why is he I don't get it. I mean that that's to me that sure. I think he on the surface and what he believes is he wants his his wife back and his daughter back, right? And he just wants his family back. Because you know that was like a security of safety, but and now he's on his own again. It's that loneliness, right? It's kind of just being put out in the cold, and he just wants yeah. to get back in the warm. Yeah, going back to bull elephant, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. That's exactly it. Like dom, dom elephant, and then you have Albie, who is his child, who's like telling him how it is, and that's got to be. But he listens to it, which is amazing. Which is really credit to his character. Like he. He listens to what Albie has to say, and that's what he really took on board. Yeah. Or, ooh, oh my gosh. You know what I just thought? Albie, okay, anytime you're going through, like, something traumatic, like, for me, for example, with my dad not being, like, a consistent presence in my life, my traumatic response was, I want the exact opposite of what my dad is. Exact. Literally right. from physically, <laughs> physically, to personality wise, like all I'm like I, in a man, I want the exact opposite, right? Albie is like that when it comes to his father. 
he's like, I don't want to be anything like my dad. He thinks his dad is one dimensional. Like I had to learn my dad is not one or two or even three dimensional. There's so many layers in him. But right now, Albie is like, I don't want to be a philanderer, right? I don't want to be a man who takes advantage of women. I don't want to be a man who only looks at women as meat. So he's on that wave, which is very surface level. So for him and trying to, you know, show Portia advances, right? He's not even realizing. Well, let me not, let me back up. Sorry, let me back up. What I'm going to say is this. I think his traumatic response has pushed him to the opposite end so much that I'm going to make a very, maybe outlandish guess here that when he finds out Portia is not really feeling him like that. I could see him turning into a psycho. I don't know why, but I could. And see him pushing her off the cliff or something. You know? Mm-hmm. That's that's a good that that's a really good one. Um because she's definitely gonna she's definitely gonna bang the guy in the pool. Oh, for sure. It's going down, okay? <laughs> it's going down. They were banging each other while looking at each other like that was they were banging yeah. the whole time it's going down and Albie yeah. didn't even bring you to the body language that was odd i'm like what is going on here it, he is completely like how he is the son of those two and the grandson i don't know because he he just he i mean like there's, there's one thing like being like wanting to be overly kind and being conscious and being but then there's like having like he's got no game at all at all like even even when he when he kissed her and then it was like super awkward and he just goes in for more like dude man it's clearly not dude it's clearly not the right time poor oh, Al tragic poor tragic Al. that was that was that was harsh um but what what's springing to mind here is um uh is is a philosophy um which is a type of philosophy which is virtue ethics which is the idea that you, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this, so pardon me for anyone that knows more about it than I do, but virtue ethics is is kind of basically trying to find the the balancing point, like the median of what, you know, what's enough, like to be so much of something, but not too much of it to make it a bad thing, right? And so so you have on the scale, you have the grandfather and then you have Albie, uh, or it's Bert, isn't it? Bert and Albie, and, and, or even Dom and Albie, I guess they're kind of, they're both on this opposite end of the spectrum. And what they need to do really is kind of, you know, Albie needs to get a bit more wise to the world and, and to women to, to kind of that dynamic. And, and, um, and Dom needs to just really curb his, his, you know, and just kind of draw back closer to Albie. So between them, they need to find this virtue ethic, which, you know, uh, is, they'll help each other do that kind of, you know, as I say, like, both they're all influencing each other those three at the moment which i love because i think they all need to take some things from each other me too they need a name they need a name something iconic like the three stooges they're not stooges but they need a name because they're amazing i mean we or what about what about the 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 two flanders and the wet sock (laughs) no no (laughs) don't do that don't do that to granddad especially i love him and then albie's my second favorite dom is just he has a problem he said he has a sexual addiction so he has many problems i think many yeah that, you're right that, that dude needs he needs some therapy listen uh, yeah a lot a lot yeah okay um all right 
Um, but yeah, so look, so I mean, Dom is still, I mean, uh, so I think he's kind of building to some kind of break, like explosive breakdown, or the three of them, and 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 it'll all be fueled because the Porsche and Albi thing will all like that'll all go wrong, and it's that's going to be next episode. She's going to bang him. He's going to find out the episode. Then we're going to get to the pilot. Like there's all that kind of stuff. It's just all going. Oh, just I'm very excited to how this is escalating. Me too. This, this show, this it is a bit of a phenomenon. This show for me, it's just it, it, it really it, just did such a great job. It is, and I think uh, I'm enjoying this season more than the first season. I am now because of this, because of us going through it like this. It's making it. It's really fun. Yay! And do we want to throw in there anything real, real, real quick about Tanya and her husband? Oh, not real quick. We're definitely they're like they save the best till last, right? Oh, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many amazing moments this week with Jennifer Coolidge and and Greg as well. I mean, I mean that the whole kind of build up to him leaving and her just being this like petulant child who's just so upset. And by the way, understandably, like you know, in every sense of the word. So I'm not kind of uh, getting on her about that, but just her ability to act and play that role and just it's so everything she does is so funny when she's crying in the restaurant just i'm just in you're just in fit absolutely yeah. hilarious amazing and brilliant. but also greg is just like also so good at playing opposite her he is just he is so brilliantly cast as well he they are both of them they uh they really are and um just about Jennifer Coolidge, not the character. Real quick, sorry. I don't think I ever realized how brilliant she was. Maybe I did. Yeah, I did. I can't lie. But she just, I don't know, she just, she makes me happy when I see her on screen. I don't like her character. um, Because she's probably the most selfish. Is she? Let me think on that. Is she the most selfish? Yeah, she's the most selfish to me. Most selfish character. Uh, Self-centered. Yes um abusive she's very abusive to me uh manipulative manipulative. yeah let's just keep the ball rolling up yeah she's she's the worst and she has half a billion dollars so that kind of person with that company i mean what a combination you know well well, we had one of them as president so we have one of them as i said we have one of them as president Oh yeah, that's true. We did. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we know how bad that can get. This is true. So yeah. um, one of the highlights for me was when she brought in the tarot card reader. The tarot card reader is oh. trying to tell her the truth about what is going on, which is that her husband is cheating on her with somebody. And Tanya's like, well, maybe the person you're seeing, the beautiful person you're seeing is me. And the tarot card reader is like, no. <laughs> not at all you no sorry wrong and then tanya just is like you're negative she keeps saying the word negative and it was just so funny and she throws her out feels like she needs a nap gets in the bed and then abuses portia by telling her you cannot leave sit on the couch (laughs) and read what did she say vogue or something i don't know um but she is a hot mess yeah, it was Vanity Fair, um, but that was that was hilarious. Um, the tarot lady, um, yeah, look, clearly I think she's 
she's used to getting probably uh, Americans who are just, they know that they just want to keep her coming back. So they want to keep telling her good things and get the money in the pocket. Um, this Italian tarot lady, she doesn't give a shit. She doesn't care. She's just going to say what she says, um, which, which I love. And it just obviously triggers her massively, which is just so, so funny. Just like, there's no, like, it's, it's really one of the best examples of her character and how petulant she is. It's just like, no, you are not saying what I want you to say get out now i don't want you in my life and that's you know that's her life all over yeah i'm just like how does this woman move like how does she move through the world like this but i guess she doesn't work she's just living off this money maybe she has investments to make the money grow i'm like what she has no kind of like personal communication skills it's it's fascinating especially for her to be so you know, like up there in age as well, acting like that. It's 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 something to behold. I'll tell you that. And um, yeah, well, we did learn we did learn that there she's had several assistants recently. Yes, yes, her husband mm-hmm. let us in on that, and I don't know the husband's. Yeah, he's coming off pretty shady. He's coming off shady. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's I I think I think. Uh, I mean, whether it was opportunity or whether it was like a deliberate like sting, which just doesn't seem like Greg. Um, but I think when he, this is my theory on that situation. Uh, when he was dying, right, and he had cancer and he thought that was the end of it, um, he, maybe they like, look, go and have a lovely week, right? We're going to get this money together. Go and enjoy yourself on your own, whatever. Find a bit of peace um, and then, you know, come back and we'll get on with cancer as, as it were. Um, and then he goes to the Wallows in this luxury, amazing thing, like once in a lifetime for people, someone of his wealth and his stature and meets her. And he's like, well, shit, there's an opportunity here. Like, this woman can pay the bills I can't pay, can, can help me survive. And so he, he kind of just went into it and, and, I'm, and then would have talked to his wife, talked to his partner and was like, look, this is the situation. What do you think? And she's like, well, hell yeah. Just, you know, you're going you're gonna to live like this. Let's do it. Um, and so that's what he's contending with maybe. And now on the other side, she, the wife is like, look, you're, you're healthy now. We need to leave her. You need to end this. You need to get out of there. And he's like, well, look, but I want some money out of it now as well. There's money there. Cause you know, he's got that, the, the dollar signs in his eyes. Um, and he's just, but he's, he's in the middle of two, you know, a brick, a rock and a hard place as it were. Um, that's, that's what I feel with him. Yeah. I think you're right on the money with that. And I'm kind of struggling with like, well, do I feel sorry for Tanya? Cause she's such a terrible person. Yeah, I do feel sorry for her. I mean, and, and <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but Ishmael and I are rewatching game of Thrones. Okay. That's why I was able to say the Bolton bastard. Cause I totally forgot his name. Well, that's not even his name, but whatever. Ramsey Bolton. Ram- but Ramsey, another, yeah. Yes. But another game of Thrones character that I don't know why, but is like similar to Tanya. Tanya to me is Theon Greyjoy and Tanya with as much bullshit as she has done to people like Theon has I don't want to see anybody get their penis cut off you know what I mean I don't want to see anybody get tortured by that degenerate Bolton bastard and so in the same way Tanya I don't want to see her get got you know I call me a sap i don't know i just i uh, i just 
I don't want her to be heartbroken. I just don't. I don't. You know, like do you feel like if that was really the case, what you're saying, would you feel bad for her? Um, I, I feel sorry for her on a on a grander scale, just because she's clearly just never been given the skill set or uh, or something to, to how to walk through life and be a a good human being. You know, she's just had a silver spoon in her mouth her whole life. And um, and she's just just powered up like, you know, I'll tell you what it is. So I'll give a, another analogy. When uh, people, actors start getting famous um, and we've seen this through, I'm sure you've seen it as well. I've seen it through the career, like when they're younger and they're like getting started in their career, they'll come in and they're super nice and they'll they'll get a dressing room and they'll get a television and they'll be like, oh, my God, this is wonderful. This is amazing. And then the next job they go on to, they're like, and there's no television in the dressing room and they've only got a one bed trailer. Like, why, why, why? I need a bigger trailer. I need a, uh, my television now, oh, and I need some yeah. snacks. I need these snacks. And then it yeah. goes up and up. And so she's had a lifetime of this, of this just kind of one, like, you know, everything handed to her. So it, I think it, another analogy is this this uh, Prince Charles, right? This is, this is a funny anecdote about him. He has this weird thing with pens and stuff on it. Or like there was uh, one time he, he dropped an envelope in a bin, a trash can in his room. He's on his own in his room. It was just, just there beside him. And he called, so this is a true story. This is like an actual, something happened. And he called his person. He was like, I just dropped the envelope in the, in the, in the trash can. Can you come and pick it out for me, please? <laughs> that's like, that's her. Like, it's just this lifetime of entitlement and having, having everything handed to you. So she has no skill set. Like if you, suddenly Prince Charles were to be, be ripped of his status and all his wealth and whatever, and just was like a normal person, perhaps, he would he'd be he'd be homeless in a, in a week or two right like he just and so would she like she just wouldn't know how to handle anything and, yeah. and with that comes emotions she has no idea how to handle her emotions or other people's emotions this is true this is true so the short of that is when the start was yeah i feel sorry for her because she just hasn't been given that structure in life to that's gonna you know even with wealth you know there are a lot of wealthy people who are good people um, sadly, you know, a lot of them aren't as well, but she, you know, she just hasn't been given the opportunity to be one of the good ones. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so that's a shame, but, um, so, um, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know how it's going to resolve with her. Um, the whole Porsche dynamic is an interesting one, like with her character, like that's obviously going to build to something and her kind of, I mean, everyone's boiling up, aren't they? <laughs> that's what this whole show is about is everyone boiling up until uh until the finale and then it all just goes absolutely nuts um yeah. yeah um but jennifer coolidge um but i mean just so many times she just she just like you was kind of said about being happy when you're watching on television you kind of think about most uh other actors and you kind of think there's not many that are consistently give you just joy them being in front of you on on your screen and she really is one of those people who just makes you really happy yeah she does yeah, yeah i like it um but yeah, let's see what happens, man. I don't know. Uh, this new guy has come into play, which we should actually talk about, which is a guy, this guy played by Tom Hollander. Um, we don't know his name yet. I think he's just this guy that's kind of flirting and obviously going to build into a character. Um, and I and I know this just because I, I saw it, so I'll mention it, but I believe the guy in the pool is his son. So that's going to, I think there's, there's, a, there's a dynamic there too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know what's going on there. But that should be interesting, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. you know? 
is she just going to go on to the next one? Maybe that's it. Maybe in the end she's like, ah, no, I'm done with you. I've got another one now. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Right. <laughs> when she's crying, I, I thought you were only married three times. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was pretty funny. He's like, well, you're the fourth. Like, oh my, yeah. that whole thing was hilarious. So <laughs> Yeah, it's good. All right, well, look, this is... um. It continues to improve, continues to, to get us excited. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to see what's going to come. Me very too. Excited. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. Any, anything for apartment 4E? Let's see. Hmm. Nothing on top of mind right now. What about you? Maybe we can go with um, uh, Ethan's naivety. Yeah, that needs to be all the way in apartment four E. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Mike White is going to do it himself at some point soon. But um, the uh, yeah. well, I mean, maybe he did with this episode a bit. I think that certainly opened his eyes a bit to the world. Uh, this most recent episode. Yeah, that is a good one. That mm -hmm. is a good one. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of that one for sure. No, no, no. Hold on. I'm going to put in Portia's, dang, what's the word, David? Um, Portia's. Nihilistic nature. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah, but no, no. Let's put in her, her. Hmm. I'll tell you what, we haven't actually talked about her, so why don't we talk about her quickly? Because there, she's there's some interesting developments of her, and then maybe you can pull what what you need to out of that. Okay, so she bothers me a little bit because she is not standing up for herself when it comes to her boss Tanya. And for example, Tanya saying she wants to take a nap. And saying, hey, Portia, you don't have the right to go anywhere, sit on the couch, and read this Vanity Fair. And she does it. What? Like, how are you not pushing back on that? But then I'm like, okay, does Tanya have her passport and her ticket or something? I mean, what the? But then I'm like, no, there's no way Tanya has her passport and the ticket is in her name. So I'm sure if she needs to go home, she could. So, yeah, I'm just bothered by Portia's inability to stand up for herself. Uh, I I think it's depression. I think she's super depressed. That's what that's what I'm picking up, especially with this episode. Is is she is depressed? Like she she even kind of she she's you know being quite uh, open about like just wanting a heart to be racing. Like she's just like trying to look for life and trying to look for excitement. And, and that's a kind of common phrase you kind of get with someone or who's suffering from depression. Like she, she's uh, that's, that's the vibe I'm getting from her. Um, and that's why the guy in the pool is like, suddenly he's like, Oh wait, there's a bit of life here. Like it's something that can, can get me going and just kind of, you know, like when you're having a heart attack and you get the, the pump paddles on, like that's what she needs or she's looking for. And that's why she, I think why she took the job, right? It sounds like she kind of alluded to that a bit last episode. Um, you know, she kind of, she, or in fact, no, this episode, she was kind of saying that she was hoping she was going to find some excitement here, right? She was going to be on an adventure, but actually she's just sitting in her boss's room while she's naps. 
Um, so she's just, she's just, she's just really, I think she's just depressed about uh, the way her life is right now. And, and this is, again, this is, she's a, uh, Gen Z, right? Like it's a representation of a Gen Z. I think that's her generation. Um, oh, and this kind of yeah. ap- apathetic nature, right. It's kind of playing on that, that work ethic as well and whatnot. And so, but also like, look, she's there to do a job. She's getting paid. I'm sure getting paid relatively for her good money. Um, and she doesn't have another job. So to just walk away from it is a whole big thing. And she also knows Tanya. We know Tanya. Can you imagine if she was like, I'm going home, screw you. If Tanya's not going to be a bitch and just be like, just kind of do everything she can to make it more difficult for her. Yeah, that's true. So there's that element too. Like Tanya is a master manipulator and she has all the money and power to do so and, and get away with it. And so I think she's, she's just under her spell and she's, it's very, when you're apathetic and depressed and whatnot, I can imagine that's really difficult to, to kind of push back from because in that state of mind she's like i'm not worth it right i'm not worth it. like like she's she's less valuable in her mind oh, again this is speculation i don't know i'm psychoanalyzing a character from a tv show but that's the vibe i'm getting from her gotcha interesting so you think she has some depression going on hmm okay okay yeah. so what i'll pull from this for apartment 40 is uh I, yeah i still don't know how to like package this just her <laughs> what her what her ugh, what is it david what is what is the way i can package that um uh, uh I don't know, her apathy is it apathy kind of no it's l- not lack apathy. of enthusiasm no it's her inability to like push back what is that what is that it's similar to um she need have some balls to use a, a phrase very yeah. deliberate with an episode centered about men being assholes. You know, to get she some balls. Does. She needs <laughs> balls, but then what would I put in apartment for E? I can't put the balls in because she needs them. So uh, uh, lack of confidence. You can put her lack it? of confidence in. Lack of confidence. Yeah. Okay. Lack yeah. of. We're putting yeah. in. Yes, we're putting in Porsche's lack of confidence. Yes. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean, with her, my she's she's probably gonna she's gonna sleep with a guy. She's gonna be on a bit of a high, and then she's gonna realize. Oh, and by the way, there's obvious like the the nice guy versus the bad boy, right? Like that's the, <laughs> right, the play right. here. Um, and she's gonna she's gonna go with the bad boy, and that's all gonna come down. And um, again, maybe this is too cliche to say this, but it feels like that's the way Mike White goes. Um, and yeah, and uh, and then she'll be like, and it'll ruin it with Albie, and then she'll be like, oh shit, this guy was actually really nice, and I was just trying to. But then also, it might give her that that oomph to kind of push back on Tanya as well because she's so high on life in that moment, right? Yeah, maybe. I like that. Yeah, we'll see. All right, cool. So um, uh, for the audience, we're actually, um, Jen and I are, are, uh, Ishmael, uh, Jen's husband, is is interested, is very into the show as well, as is my partner Coco, and Ishmael uh, suggested coming on the show and and jumping into an episode with us. So I think we're going to try and have him on next episode with with Jen and I, and then we then uh, my partner Coco will will probably join us on the one after that for a, a bit of a different dynamic as well, which should be a lot of fun. Woohoo! I am so excited about that. So excited, and I think you guys are gonna really love the insight from um, mm-hmm. these two special people in our lives. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they both have a lot of opinions about a lot oh, of this yeah. stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, love it. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to that. All right, well, look, this has been wonderful. 
Um, we will be back next week um, with a new episode. Um, thank you all for listening. And thank you, Jen. Thank you, David. Until next time. Bye. Thank you.